1: Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. We're getting kicked out. We're going quick. Doug Lee, Marie, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. About a half an hour before we're probably booted out of here. Ohio State wins 38-7 to over Wisconsin. We're going to drop a giant podcast in the middle of the week. Our typical Wednesday bi-week podcast. So if we don't get your questions now, we will get to them then. I haven't even looked at the thousands of uh, text questions we've gotten, so let me start with this. Um, we have a bunch of videos on our YouTube channel you guys can watch too. Nathan, how impressed were you by that, right? It was it was 10 nothing. It was 3-0 late in the second quarter. It's 10-0 at halftime. Wisconsin scores right away to start the second half. It's 10-7, and then the rest of that happened. What did that tell you about Ohio State?
2: Yeah, it, you know, it, it really wasn't in a lot of ways that different than what we've seen through the first seven games, except that this time it kicked in with about 25 minutes into the game as opposed to about whatever it's been in other games, maybe like 16, 17 minutes into the game. Um, you know, we knew Wisconsin was going to be the toughest, um, most physical team that they would played so far. Um, potentially, uh, you probably say the most talented team that they've played so far. Actually, I don't think it's even potential. I think that's, they were. And so it was really just, it took, I State a little bit longer to make some of the adjustments that they usually make. But the end result was really what we've seen all season long. Um, they were just the more talented team in so many ways that they overwhelmed an opponent.
1: Stephen, the weather was, I think, the complicating factor today. We wrote about it beforehand. We talked about it. I think we all, to some degree, adjusted our expectations for this game on this. I had been calling it a 21-point game for three weeks. Then before kickoff, with as, as rainy as it was, uh, to my tech subscribers, I said I would be a little nervous about land the 14. I would not run out and do that. I did not think Ohio State was going to lose. Um, how, how much did you think that was a concern Going into this, and how do you think Ohio State handled it?
0: I think it was a concern in the passing game, and that was shown early on. It, I think the first like eight or like it took a, it, like halfway through the, the first quarter for them to even attempt to pass. They really made it a point that they were going to get the run game going with J.K. Dobbins and with Justin Fields running the ball. I don't think anybody you know suffered more from the weather than Justin Fields' stats, just because like we talked about it in one of the videos, like there were some drop balls out there that. It's, it's twelve for twenty-two, but it easily could have been like eighteen for twenty-two, or even you know sixteen for twenty-two. Had some of those balls not been dropped, and you can kind of blame the weather for those situations. So, yeah, if anybody was affected by it, it, was just the ability to like connect on passes, like not because of decision making, just because guys couldn't hold on to the football. So, yeah.
1: If Gene Smith is listening to this, I'm eating your jelly beans. Um, this is a good question. Now I actually got to the questions from the. Which number two had the better game? Both were so dominant on their sides of the ball, it was hard to single out another top performer. Who were the next best contributors on offense and defense? I did catch a little, a nice little moment, sort of guys crossing each other. Chase Young was at the podium first, and then J.K. Dobbins came after him, and as Chase was leaving and J.K. was coming in, they kind of did a little thing, gave a little hug. What are they talking about? So,
0: like, uh... Patrick Murphy from 247 took a picture of, like, J.K. Dobbins and Chase Young talking after the, during the Northwestern game when all the stars were out. And uh, it went viral, and Chase saw it. And, like, he, like, jabbed at J.K. J.K. saw that, and J.K. jabbed back at him. And so now, like, we people got to ask him about it. And, you know, they just kind of joked around with each other about it. But it all stemmed from this picture. That, uh, Why did I, it go I, viral? Well, I, I don't – I mean, because, like, because Chase is famous. And so when Chase tweets things, they go viral. Well, it was also, like
2: – it was just kind of one of those, like, meet-cute moments.
0: Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, like finding like, somebody who fu- yeah. looks at you the way J.K. looks at Chase, Chase Right, yeah. yeah. So, Aww. yeah. It was kind of like a, it was kind of like a Doug LaMere's ah. Joel Clat. Yeah, that's a good way to
1: put it. I knew. I set myself up for that. Um, so, who had the better game? Which number two had the better game? Chase I, Young. i take Chase. I mean, it's like, we have a lot of questions. We're not going to get to all 130, but our answer to every question is Chase
0: Young. Just, I mean, just like for what J.K. Dobbins did today was great, but like outside of the first game of the season, he's been doing this exact thing every single game. Now Chase has been doing what he's been doing, but Chase set a record today and was one sack away from breaking that record and the single season sack record of the same game. So. Well,
2: and also, what Chase Young does is not nearly as dependent on the things other people on this team do yeah. as what J.K. Dobbins does and what Justin Fields does and what Chris Olave does. As impressive as all those things are. Oh. Um, Young stands out. Yes, I know, Seth. I oh, right. Young, Young stands out on his own more than I think anyone on this roster.
1: And I had that conversation. You can go read the story at cleveland.com. I walked out with Chase Young out of the locker room. We we're walking down the steps. And I said, like, make your case for any defensive player. I'm not asking you specifically. I'm saying, like, what, what to tell voters why a defensive player should be in the Heisman Trophy discussion and he made that point. He said if you're a great quarterback, you might have great receivers and a great offensive line who are helping you like, with your stats and making you look like, great. And he said when you're a defensive player, all you have is your technique. You know that there is nothing that another defensive player for Ohio State can do to really help Chase Young. Now, Chase Young can help other people. Chase Young can draw double teams and let other people get free. But there really isn't anything that Ohio State's defense is going to do to say, wow, that was a great – You know, if Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett and Sean Wade have tight coverage, that's going to help a little bit. But Chase is kind of doing his thing, being Chase. You know, Jonathan Taylor's a good player. He had no holes. He couldn't run. J.K. Dobbins is a good player. He had some holes. He could run. So I think there is a point there. Also, that reminds me, Wisconsin's a fraud. I don't want to hear it. I'm so tired of it. And it makes me say, it makes me say mean things about Wisconsin. And I don't want to have to be mean about Wisconsin. I do. But let's not pretend there's something that they're not. And this is, I gave everybody nationally crap about it last year when they had Wisconsin as a playoff team in the preseason. And when people with this start by Wisconsin this year against a nothing schedule, against Michigan and state and Michigan, who have nothing going offensively, and their defense looks great. And when people are talking there, even though Ohio State has to stand up there and say, oh, we did that against the number one defense, that is not the number one defense in the country. There is nothing about that defense that is the number one defense in the country other than random stats halfway through a season. And stats that are not – I don't know where you can
2: get these kind of college football stats anywhere, but like, yeah, unsophisticated stats. Stats that don't take into the the relative strength of the opponents you're playing.
0: I think what stats – and a a lot of athletes tend to have a problem with, like, when you put numbers into things like this. Numbers do not lie. Yes, those are Wisconsin's defensive numbers. But they also don't always tell the full story because there's no context to those numbers. So when you say, oh, they're holding teams at six points per game, that's impressive. Yes, as a college football team and Power 5 conference to be doing that. And then you go, oh, well, they've played – Da, da 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 And, like, you go, oh, well, that's why they're doing it because they're playing those teams. So, you got to watch. This is why you got to watch games. Watch games. It's Kevin Durant. Watch the games.
1: So, it's fine. I don't mean to be an Ohio State homer, but it's just, like, I mean, the idea of, like, whatever this was. Again, the Illinois game showed what Wisconsin was. I know, you know, yes, it was surprising that Illinois won as a 30-point underdog, but it also showed what Wisconsin was. Now... I also tweeted during the game that the way Wisconsin started the second half, I don't know that there's another team in the Big Ten that would start the second half in Ohio Stadium like that. It's a 10-point game. Ohio State's getting ready to try to pull away. And Wisconsin gets to stop. I don't know if they got a hand on the punt, but at least they forced Chrisman maybe to kick it off the side of his foot. Or they did get a hand on it. They got a they short got,
2: punt. There was a hand on they it.
1: They got a hand on it. They got like a 15-yard punt. And then they went right in with like a crazy touchdown pass by Jack Cohn. So, like... Credit to Wisconsin for that. I think a lot of teams would not have done that in that situation. But but to beat Ohio State, you have to do that like five more times. Because yeah. Yeah. Ohio State answered that with four touchdown
2: drives. That was the thing, yeah. We sat down. We're sitting in the interview room waiting for uh, Justin Fields. It took a little bit longer to come out. I think probably because he was getting some treatment or or something. And um, I turned to, to Joy Kaufman. Because I'm looking at the box score. I turned to Joy Kaufman from the dispatch. I said, Hey, remember when this game was 10 to 7? Because it was almost like instantaneous that this went from 10 to 7 to 38 to 7. It felt like it was, it did not, by the by, again, just a very common occurrence this season for Ohio State. Within a matter of minutes, what looked like it could be
1: a very tight game became a foregone conclusion. Because they go score, stop, score, turnover, score. Like that's what they do. Again, it's not explosive in one play, but it's pressure, pressure, pressure on both sides of the ball. And, and exactly that—a game that is close can turn into a blowout in ten minutes. Um, are the Bucks just really good from the eight oh four, or was Wisconsin overhyped and didn't play anyone except to confuse Michigan? Well, so it's both. Well, yeah. And one thing I want to get rid of is—we're not going to talk anymore about did they not play anybody, whatever. Like that's like mumbo jumbo Dingleberry talk. Like it's fine early in the year, and we take part of it because we're Dingleberries. But like we're eight games in. They're playing in a Power Five conference. They just beat a top fifteen team. Indiana and Cincinnati look pretty decent. Michigan's like Indiana just won today at Nebraska. So, like, we're going to relax. Like, we're not going to like. There's no reason to indulge that stuff. The, the only reason to indulge that is when you believe that the perception they haven't played anybody would potentially hold them back. Well, again, and it's you know, not
2: going to happen. But again, that's why you have to have a more sophisticated look at a a record than just by. What the record is like it has to be you have to look at the scores you have to look at performance you have to look at you know for instance you know Minnesota 8-0 or 7-0 whatever they're going to be at the end of the day probably 8-0 because who do they play today? Who? Yes. They, who? I don't remember who they play. Who are you Minnesota. asking? Minnesota. I don't
1: know. Are
2: um, they off today? I can't remember. They may be off. But anyway both, both Ohio State and Minnesota are undefeated but one is clearly a very different kind of undefeated than the other one.
1: True fact. Uh, when will OSU be challenged? Will they? I do think they'll be challenged by Penn State.
0: They play um, Maryland, and oh, they play that 330 side games probably. Okay,
1: never. Mind. I do think Penn State will challenge them.
0: And again, by, I mean, honestly,
1: Oklahoma lost today. Um, LSU, Alabama, they're going to play each other. One of those teams is going to lose, depending how far the pollsters are. So the Penn State could be like a top five team. I mean, game. like honestly, yeah. Ohio State, Penn State could be like one three. Or one four because uh, by the playoff rank and, and if, the fact that like, well, some of these okay,
0: teams, like Alabama and LSU are going to play each other, by yeah. so like some of these teams will have fallen off. Georgia lost, game.
1: Notre Dame lost, Oklahoma Atlanta
0: lost. lost. So, like, that's not a crazy thought anymore to think that.
2: Well, and I've been saying it for a few weeks. Like that more than this game to me has always set up as the game of the year because even if something had gone haywire today and Ohio State had lost, they still could beat Penn State head to head, make the Big Ten championship. A lot of your And potentially win their way back into a playoff conversation. Like, those things are still open. If you lose to Penn
1: State, you're done at this stage. You're, 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 you're relying on what you relied on in 2016, which Mm -hmm. is getting in as a non-champ. And that just, that seems unrealistic to me. I I think it's not. I mean, it depends on context. They've looked so good. It's going to depend on
2: what else happens. But, like, the fact that, you know, it depends on how much voters hold the Alabama LSU loser. I mean, because they're going to be in the same situation too.
1: Right. No, you're right. You're right. No, I mean it's and it's and, a, and a, what is I think still considered a tougher conference, right? Now. And we have we have plenty of time to discuss that stuff because we have two yeah. games coming up with Maryland Good. and Rutgers, An off week and then two off weeks. Hey, no, for real. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I said we're gonna. They yeah. asked me on the radio the, the other day, like, "Do you think Ohio State's gonna be able to keep their edge?" I said, "I don't care about Ohio State. I don't know what I'm gonna write about." Yeah. I got three. We got three weeks of this stuff. Leaving Taichung
0: off the flight is looking more and more like. I think they should probably do.
1: It. I know, but now we have to go get six x
0: so we can win the Heisman. I think
1: I think he has more than a zero percent chance to win the Heisman Trophy. Go read our stories; we're writing a lot about it. Uh, Justin Fields looks like Terrell Pryor when he runs. He doesn't look, look like he's running super fast, and then before you know it, he has twenty five yards. That's from the four one five thoughts. That's the part of me before the season when I compared. I always said he was a mix of Pryor, Barrett, and Braxton. I think he's got a, no one is as shifty as Braxton. He's got a little of that. Nobody's as powerful. Like raw power is JT with your big butt and your big thighs. And like what Big Ten tacklers always said trying to tackle him was like trying to tackle a fullback. I don't think they would say that about Justin Fields. But that prior long strider thing, you eat up ground. I think he doesn't quite do it like Pryor. Pryor looked like a gazelle to me. Like he just was so smooth. But I get it. And I think you're right. And I think that's part of, again, we've talked a lot about they run Justin Fields when they need to run him, and they needed him on a couple runs today, and you saw what was up. 3 3 0, how good is this team? Unreal. Will this win be looked at as, positively, as positive nationally uh, as compared if they were both undefeated? I know Joel and Gus were all in during the broadcast, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I just, nobody, and I think Ohio State, the reason we get so many questions about this. Is that Ohio State fans during the Trestle era were got a reflex to this because there was so much the Big Ten was so down as Ohio State was was stomping everybody in the Jim Trestle era. And it's it's rebounded to a large degree uh in the last couple of years. when we know Urban Meyer raising the level of recruiting helped raise the level around the league. James Franklin's done a good job, Mark D'Antonio's getting it done, um, Paul Christ at Wisconsin. There's just there's good teams here. That is not what you have to be worrying about. Like, and and again, if there are lingering AP voters who think that, they're stupid and ignore them. The committee is going to be, is going to tell you the story. And we think, and we talked about it on the video, we can talk about it quickly here. We think the committee, which they're going to vote after the bye week. So this weekend, then next weekend of college football, before the first playoff rankings on November 5th, Ohio State won't play again. But but why do we think the committee is going to like them? Well, again, it's it's in the underlying performance. It's it's
2: I mean, a. It is the fact that they're going to be undefeated, um, and their their schedule is holding up a little better. Like we just said, Indiana just won. They're bowl eligible already. Uh, the Cincinnati win looks, and those are two games they won. What ninety three to ten or whatever it was. Like I mean, you know, those games look good. Um, but it's also as you I think you mentioned in the in the video, just the the balance of this team how tremendously efficient and powerful this team is on both sides of the ball. Just we're, the flat numbers tell you how good
1: they are. Both we're, sides the we're honestly just not going to go super long on this because we have the bye week thing coming and and there are times when I think I feel like we need to get on this podcast and like really help you guys sort of sort through what happened. That's what we hope we can do. Not cuz we're smarter than you, but just because we were able to go in and talk to people and sometimes they explain to I know I mean, you know. What are we explaining? It was wet. It was a little funky. And then they went nuts. And they're super good. What's the deal, Doug? Is everyone else just bad or are we just good from the 706? Ohio State is this good. Now, because you can say, well, everybody, I would say, well, everybody is kind of bad except for the top five teams. Except Oklahoma just lost. And they were in that group of like the great teams. Right? And Georgia lost. And they would have been in that group. And Alabama's going to play without their quarterback. And Clemson's yeah. look like crap for for parts of this year. I did say someone said uh, mm-hmm. who says this? Um, someone asked if they could get three to New York. I can't find the uh, no. A... And I said no. I put it on Jerry Emig. I told Jerry Emig this. Well, the Buckeyes send one, two, or three guys to New York from the six-one-four. Jerry Emig, the SID, and the SIDs are sort of the leaders of those like pushes. Sometimes yeah. the campaigns. They're not going to do a campaign. They, at Ohio State, you don't do campaigns. They did the flapjack. They did the pancake campaign for Orlando Pace. That's when they were trying to get a left tackle to right, yeah. That's when they do a well, campaign. Well, they may have to do something like that to get a defensive end there, even but
2: if he is the best football player.
1: They're going to wait a while, I think, and they don't have to do a campaign. But I said, if Jerry Emmett gets three guys to New York, he no. will be the greatest
2: sports yeah. information he, he, director. Yeah, he, he,
0: he needs to be the Hall
2: of Fame. But think about this. I mean, you know uh, – Oklahoma loses today. Yep. So that's one Heisman campaign that He's gets dinged. Out. Tua is... He's not out. He's not out. He's not out, but it, it, it's its compromised. Tua's injury, that compromises his candidacy. Um, what was the third one that we were Joe talking Burrow about? Joe Burrow
0: and Tua have to play each other.
2: Yeah, so that, I mean, you know, well, Tua may, you know, may play that game. We'll see. But, you know, if, that could potentially compromise the third candidacy. I mean, some of these, the, the quarterbacks that would be the natural candidates and have been leading candidates are kind of starting to get... If not picked off, then at least dinged a little bit here. And now you get a moment like what Chase Young had today, where the whole country was watching that game um, while he was just going crazy and devouring an entire offense by himself. Uh, I think he had a a moment today. I think it was one of those, like, eye-opening afternoons. I think the Big Ten already knew, and and College Football Insiders really knew. But I think now there's going to be kind of a buzz among just the country now about the kind of season this guy's having. When Jay
0: Watt and LeBron James start tweeting about you, people start paying attention. No, that's
1: true. And among the 870 media voters who are the Heisman voters plus all the former Heisman winners. So it's about 930 right. voters. And that is not the 870 most invested, most well-informed no. college football writers. No, no, no. So you've got Some to of get essentially probably already voted. You've got I mean it's uh, voters election, can, uh, basically <laughs> Like the part in like uh, Game of Thrones at the end when, when the guy was like, uh, "Why don't we uh, just hey, let everybody vote?" Spoiler yeah. alert! No. You and and the guy said like, uh, and and you thought like, "Oh, like Game of Thrones is like starting democracy," right. and then like everyone paused and they laughed and said like, "What else do we do? Let our horses vote?" <laughs> and it's like, to be fair, I mean, voters, come on, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. so like, I, well, mean, I mean, and again, I say that right. as <laughs> a voter. <laughs> Do you want to know my Heisman Trophy process? I mean, it's I like... I kind of do.
0: I feel like at some point... Not today, because... Like, I, I don't
1: like, think about fun. it for 13 weeks. It's like after everything's done, like on the last day, it's like I sit down and go like, huh, all right, well, who should win the Heisman? And so like you read and you watch, but it's like... And, and, the, and it's the, like, all of this, all of this is a fallacy because everyone says like, oh, leading Heisman candidate. And, oh, they act like it's an actual race when I don't... I mean... I haven't given my actual Heisman vote like one thought. Why would I? I don't, I'm not sitting here right now saying, like, you know, if I had to vote today, I'd go Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Tua. No, yeah. I'm not doing that. I, I, I'm, I'll do it when it's time to vote. Well, it's like, did you see the thing going around?
2: Somebody, a uh, guy had, had put down, what, 50 bucks or something on, on Burrow. Joe Burrow to win the Heisman at like
1: 200 to 1,
2: I think. 200 to 1 on. So He was potentially going to win 10,000. And then the book was trying to buy him out of the bet and it yeah. got up to like 4,000. And I was like, You've got to take that money. You take that four grand and walk because Joe Burrow is about to play some of the best defenses in the country.
0: You don't know
1: somebody could get hurt. It's just too much season at stake. I would absolutely have sold out of that. And I did say if it comes down to it, if it's an Ohio State guy against Joe Burrow, and I'm just joking. Everyone loves Joe Burrow. Like I think Ohio State's campaign campaign could be like: Should you vote for Ohio State's best player or the guy who could start at Ohio State? Chase Young for Heisman. That'd be cold-blooded. I would do it if I was the SID, but that's not how Ohio State rolls. I was stunned to see how often Chase was in one-on-one situations. What was Wisconsin thinking? That's from the 3-1-0. Stephen's putting this in this story. Chase was explaining that his last sack, he was actually supposed to be lined up like at a five-technique spot, sort of over the tackle. And on his own, uh, he decided to go super wide, wide of the tight end. And he forced the tight end to block him. Because here's the thing. If the defensive end decides to line up outside the tight end, then the tackle can't block him. Now, I guess the tackle, the tackle ended up blocking down and helping double-team the defensive tackle instead of blocking out and helping double-team Chase on the edge. But Chase was so wide, a tackle wasn't really going to get help on that anyway because he was going wide of the tackle, I mean wide of the tight end. And the running back stepped up into the gap where Chase was supposed to be lined up behind the tackle. So that running back stepped up and there was nobody there. So Chase, so it's like everyone, that's the play that everybody criticized. What's Wisconsin doing trying to block Chase with the tight end? They weren't. Chase forced them to block him with the tight end by changing on his own the alignment in that play. He went out to what they call a nine technique spot. That is so wide. Now, if they were in a draw there or something, there's a giant gap because you're so wide. But if you aren't, you don't have a great get off. He had a great get off that snap. If you're not super fast, and if you're not super – you don't have a great bend on the edge, you can't get into the quarterback. You're going to run three yards back behind him. But because you're Chase Young, you can take a risk and go that wide. I don't know if he would do that on third or fourth down in the national championship game because it's risky. In that situation, he knew he could take the risk. So sometimes what you see, it's like, what happened there? It's because Chase Young not only is like super athletic, yeah. like the dude knows what he's doing on the football field. and He forced Wisconsin, Wisconsin into bad matchups. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I, I don't know. At some point, there is going to be a team that has
2: a good whatever tackle, maybe two of them, and can do something against him one-on-one maybe. But right now, there's too many opportunities. There's too many matchups where you've got a guy who could go play, not tomorrow because he just played a game today, but he could go play for an NFL team next Sunday, I think.
0: I agree with that, but to what you were just talking about, that's not, like, necessarily a tackle's fault. That's not even really No, no, the no, but
2: I'm saying – but, but that's
0: – Yeah, what, I, what I'm saying is that's on a quarterback knowing, like, and recognizing, oh, wait, he he looks out of place. There's yeah. no way he's supposed to be lined up right there in pre-snap. He notices that and go – and whatever that check is – an whatever, adjustment. Yeah, yeah, make that yeah. adjustment. Yeah. Obviously, Cohen – But it's, in,
2: I think it's also something you're not even – Thinking to no, you're more. not.
0: Which is like where like guys like Tua or Trevor. These guys, where the, these are NFL quarterbacks, are going to know.
2: Perhaps, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: that, like, to, you're you're right, 100. percent There hasn't been a left tackle who's been able to handle him. But also in that situation where you have a defensive man who's trying to outsmart the quarterback, the quarterback can't let that happen.
1: I also definitely think one of his sacks was on a double team tackling guard. He spun off the double
0: team. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what you're talking about. Right? So Just look, yeah. I saw there,
1: there are things happening that I don't really blame the other
2: team. Like I yeah. don't know what else you can do. You're trying to stop him. You know how great he is, and you just can't.
0: Correct. I just don't think, like, in that scenario where you already have to deal with that, you can't add another unnecessary step of, like, now he's outsmarting you. Right.
1: alright
0: Uh three one
1: oh It was hard to tell how much the weather impacted the game while watching on TV. What was it like out there? I do think it impacted the game. Uh, and absolutely. it was raining it, it just steady. It
2: affected it's the raining. plays that Ohio State called Yes. in this game. Cool. Um, and there were some, definitely some plays where I thought there was the one that – um a shotgun snap that Justin Fields mishandled. And I don't know. If, I think it was a combination of the slick ball. Yeah. And also, I think he took his eye off because uh, Wisconsin was bringing a blitz there. And I think he was just trying to do too many things at once. Um, Which is crazy. Considering they, the conditions that they, complicated it. They so. talked
0: about all week how, like, Corey Dennis would like, purposely wet up balls. Right. Them. But, but, but still, yeah, it's yeah, live. It's different. Live, it's different. Live
2: so And and you don't know exactly what's coming. So, um, I, I think it definitely impacted. And I thought that that was part of why this was such a impressive performance for Justin Fields because, um, as we talked about after the game in the video, you know, a game where um, a lot of times a quarterback would have lost a fumble or thrown a pick or had a, a much worse completion percentage, and his wasn't tremendous, but um, miserable conditions like that. He played a clean game in addition to playing a really tough game.
1: We might be getting booted out of here soon. We'll keep running through a couple more if we can. Is this team's success based more on coaching adjustments or raw talent wearing the opponent down from the 6 1 4? There's a lot of raw talent. Like, yes. Chase Young has been developed by Larry Johnson. There's a lot. Chase Young would be good anywhere. Jeff Okuda would be good anywhere. I do think the coaching staff has really helped Justin Fields um, in bringing out the best of Justin Fields. Um, but I think, and someone was asking post-game, did I think – do I think they'd be in this spot with Urban? I do. And they said, do you think they'd be in this spot with Greg Schiano as a defensive coordinator? I said, no, but I don't think there's a world where Greg Schiano would have been the defensive coordinator here this year. If Urban would have stayed, he would have had to make a change because it was bad enough last year. So it's like credit to all the coaching, but there's an inherent thing with this team where the two losses the last two years, and why did it take two losses instead of one, um, have created a situation where they are focused and they are driven and you would have thought, well, maybe the Iowa loss would have done it to the extent where the Purdue loss wouldn't have happened, but the defense was bad enough, and there were other things going on in that Purdue loss. So it's like they adjusted the technical things by fixing the defense, which they were going to do no matter what. And I think emotionally, they are where they need to be. And again, it's not taking away from Ryan Day, but any coach, any good coach, was going to have this team loaded for bear because and again, I picked him to go nine and three because I thought there would just be like technical things, like a young quarterback, a young coach, good opponents. And we thought some but, of
2: these teams were going to be
1: better than they are. Too. But not emotionally. Like emotionally, these guys are – Chase Young doesn't want to go through his college football career never having made the playoff. That is real for these guys, and I think it's the thing that's sort of lying underneath all of this. But I would say great job to the coaching, but I think it's talent first. Why was Ryan Day so timid with his play calling in the first quarter from the 8-1-3? Did you think it was timid? I just thought it was prudent. I mean, you have a
2: really, really tough pass rush that you're facing. And on top of that, you have really crappy conditions that you're in. I know Wisconsin was throwing the ball early on, but it wasn't like they were doing seven-step drops and cranking it downfield. I mean, they did some slants, some short passes. um, So I I didn't really think of it at the time as anything, like, cowardly. I thought it was just this is the prudent thing because you know – you know you trust your defense enough. You know you trust Drew Chrisman enough that at some point you were going to be able to get your offense a short field. You weren't going to have to drive 85 yards of just a rushing game. Or you knew that the conditions were going to clear up at some point or hope that they would. And you could start incorporating the pass more, which is what they did.
1: Not football related, but is it sufficient sufficient to get a pet to name after Chase Young? Or do I need to commit to having a child for that purpose from the two one 0
0: I'd start with the pet because he plays like an animal. But like, if you're gonna name your child, I like to name
1: Chase. I don't think you should have a baby just to name it after an Ohio yeah, State football yeah, yeah, yeah. player. Yeah, that's a bit Yeah.
0: Because you know, what if he doesn't want to play football? Because then you, it's like, I yeah. named you after a football player, you don't even want to play the sport. Is this the best Ohio State team you've covered? Uh, yeah,
1: I'm the okay. five, five nine. Uh, Let me I, answer that I, first. Nathan can say yes. I can say yes. Um. I think we are, I mean, the, the way the 2014 team played in the playoff, they didn't play that way the whole year. They had the early loss, but it's like if you, st- if you can evaluate the 2014 team without the early loss, um, which was for understandable reasons, I think they're in that conversation. I always say the 2005 team, which is so supremely talented, had two really tough losses that year. The 2016 played great. The 2016 team, the 2016 team was a wire to wire number one, and that was an era where like they, they weren't doing this offensively, but not as many teams were doing this offensively, and they had a dominating defense. And when you think about um, the guys they put out there, when you're talking about Troy Smith as a veteran, and then young defensive guys like James Laurinaitis and Malcolm Jenkins, and and they were the receivers. They still were playing that year with Ted Ginn and. Anthony Gonzalez, um, they were really good. Those receivers were better. Um, Chris Olave had a really, really good game today. I still don't think this team does not have a – maybe Olave is getting there. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a criticism. It's like you start nitpicking. But if the question is the best team ever that I've ever covered, they're certainly in the conversation. Uh, the 15 team was the most talented, but they didn't play that way. They didn't play that way because the coaching um, and maybe because of something emotional. That whole year, they didn't look like it. I I think this team is absolutely in that conversation. And again, it's not a surprise when you think about that 2017 recruiting class, third-year guys, number two class in the country. This is what you expected them to do if you felt like they could handle losing their coach, and they certainly have handled that. The feeling of relief that settles in during a blowout after the tension of a big game is almost nar- almost a narcotic. I am not a healthy Ohio State fan, and I own that, but not unhealthy enough to try and eat an entire large Chicago style pizza. Okay. From um, the five, one. You don't want to know how long of a conversation we had in the pregame about the Giordano's pizza challenge that is coming up, and um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cut it off there. I think um, we're gonna do it this week. We think. We're trying to figure out the logistics of whether we record the whole podcast at Giordano's. Do we get a pizza and bring it to our office? Do we do a large chunk of the, co- of the podcast in another place and then just do a little bit at Giordano's? Do we uh, have to rent the stretcher that we're going to take Steven out on or will someone just loan us one? I mean there's a, there's a lot to consider. I did uh, text Giordano's to ask if it's normal. Um, to be able to eat a whole large pizza and Giordano's said no.
0: They said three of four sittings.
1: Yeah, we're getting one sitting. Alright, that's it. Thanks to you guys for listening. We'll be back midweek. See you on Wednesday. For Stephen and Nathan, I'm Doug and that was Buckeye Talk.